0: Good morning, we ask you uh, to come on in and join us as we get ready to sing this morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. I'm going to ask everybody just to have a seat for just one quick second, and we're going to get back to singing. Uh, for, first, can you hear me? Is that better? All right. I guess it works when you speak into the microphone a little better. Uh, this morning, we have a couple of things to do uh, besides uh, continuing worship, and we have an update from the Kenya team that we're going to do at the end of service. But this morning, what we'd like to do is recognize our graduates... And uh, I'm going to have uh, Pastor Derek, he's going to come up front. What I'd like to do is I know we have two. We have uh, Miss Janae Barubi and uh, Miss Raina Offenheiser. If you guys, just for like two seconds, I, this is like the worst because you're both like, oh, he's going to call me up front. I am. We have a gift that we would like to present to you. We just want to pray for you, and I promise you, you can run straight back to your seats. So if you would please come up. Derek's going to give you a gift. Thank you. Let's just pray real quick. Father, we thank you for who you are, God, and it's amazing to be able to be in your presence this morning as we lift up in worship. This morning, Lord, we lift up uh, both Janae and Raina as uh, their high school careers have ended and they're heading on to to bigger and better things. And Lord, that's what you've really called us to is bigger and better things. So Father, this morning we pray uh, for protection and blessing over them as they continue in whatever path they decide to go down. But Lord, we do pray that you would guide their steps. Thank you again for loving us. Thank you for dying for us. And uh, Lord, we, we honor the commitment that they've made to their education and the faithfulness that you have been to them. So Father, we lift up your name this morning and ask these things. Amen. I'm going to ask everybody to stand back up and we're going to sing This is Amazing Grace.
1: The King above all This is amazing grace This is unfailing love
2: That You would take my place That You would bear my cross You would lay down Your life.
1: That I would be set free Jesus, I sing, Lord, all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back in order? Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan? A son and daughter, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings.
2: This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross you would lay down your life That I would be set
1: free
0: Jesus, I sing
1: for all that you've done for me Sing it out. Worthy is the Lamb. And worthy is the Lamb who was slain. the worthy is the King who conquered the grave. worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And worthy is the King who conquered the grave. And worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is, who worthy, is who was slain. worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the lamb who slay Word, worthy, worthy. worthy. Oh, this is amazing grace. This is
2: unfailing love. That you would take my place, that you would bear my cross,
1: you would lay down your life. That I would be Jesus, I sing for all that You've done for me.
0: Good morning again. Uh, summer is here, and it is warm. <laughs> yes, we're continuing this morning.
1: And how great the chasm that lay between. How high the mountains, I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living hope come on let's sing that again how great the chasm that lay between I could not, hide. in desperation, I turned to heaven, and spoke your name into the night, and then through the darkness, your loving kindness, tore
2: through the shadows,
1: Could fathom such boundless grace. The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken high.
2: It's grip on me
0: name the name of jesus that we find our deliverance Lord. that we find our salvation father use us use our lives use our hearts use everything that we do lord that would glorify you father that we can stand strengthened in your spirit strengthened in unity as a church lord that we would proclaim your name in the gospel
2: Day, you are condemned. I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me.
0: Good morning. It's probably really out, too. I, I, I changed one pack for another, and I need a drink. So, g- excuse me one second. Well, I am uh, really appreciative to be here. Um, I'm glad that um, so far everything seems to be going well for the Kenya trip. Uh, we do have a quick video at the end, uh, update, slideshow. If, um, if you want the email updates that are coming out from the church... Uh, make sure Jody has your email address, and we'll put you on the emailer. Um, we'll be putting them up on Facebook. Uh, you'll have access to see what's going on. But they seem to be going really well. Uh, the McGrell family is probably one of the most photogenic families I've ever met. So it's just not fair. It's like every picture. I don't get it. But, you know, I can't do it. Yeah, right? They're like working out in the desert, digging ditches, and... I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, that must be Snapchat filters. Um, I uh, This week, we had a really cool thing. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, my kids, uh, Avery specifically, in the fourth grade class at Harmony, they went out and uh, they released their butterflies out into the wild, and it was pretty cool to see, and these kids were so excited. Um, they uh, did a couple of neat things this year. They had duck eggs that they hatched, and they had a little a bunch of little ducks bouncing around for a while, and ducks are cute. i tell you, I, I wanted to take one home, um, but no, it's not going to happen. Uh, and then they did the butterfly thing where they got the chrysalises, and they did the thing where they bust out, and what? I think that's what they're called, chrysalises, chrysalis. But you know what I mean, right? Yeah, so it's like the big cocoon and they bust out and this beautiful butterfly comes out. And uh, watching these kids run around and chase the butterflies and the lap, it was an awesome thing. And while Pastor John's away, and this all kind of ties into what we're talking about today, uh, the, the Kenya team left this past week, Wednesday morning, bright and early. And uh, we talked in staff meeting, and we kind of came up with this idea that while Pastor John's away for the next two weeks, we could try to talk about our core values at Harmony, just as kind of like a refresher, A reminder of of what our values are, what we stand for, what we're pushing towards, and and how that works out. And one of the things that we're going to talk about this morning is this idea of an upward thinking. Um, Thinking about the butterflies, uh, the image of transforming comes to mind. And transform means just to change completely or essentially in composition or structure. It changes what we are, who we are, and thinking about the butterfly. Because realistically, that's like the most well-known thing that pastors talk about when they talk about transforming, is the butterfly. From the caterpillar, to the cocoon, to the butterfly. Personally, I prefer the Transformer theme song. I'm not going to sing it for you this morning. But if you're an 80s kid... You remember the Transformers, and they showed up in trucks, and then they turned into robots, and then they fought, and then they turned back into trucks, and they went home. That was like the coolest thing watching growing up. And I tried to introduce some of these things to my kids, and Transformers has yet to stick. He Man has made a, uh, it's hanging out pretty long, but Transformers, they don't get it. They're just like, it's a truck, Dad. Like, but you don't understand, it's the battle of evil and good, and it's a truck. Okay truck. So the problem is, and this is where we kind of get stuck, is we have this general idea of what transforming looks like. We have a general understanding of of what we want to do, we have a general understanding of how it impacts us, but when it starts to get to the personal stuff, the specific applications, how does this apply to me? It kind of starts to go off the rails. And there's a number of reasons for that. One is we're all different individuals. We all deal with different things differently. I'm going to see how many times I can say different in the next 35 seconds. But we are. We're different. We're unique. We have our own struggles. We have our own ways of handling pressure, stress, interpersonal stuff, the way we talk to our kids, the way we talk to our spouses, the way we talk to our future spouses, whatever it is. We're all unique. We've all been created that way. Sometimes it's really difficult to play nice in the sandbox. It happens. Over the last couple of months, we've talked a lot about change. Pastors talked about it. Pastor Derek has talked about it. Uh, Dr. Ashley, he spoke about change and a change of mind and a renewal. And, and we've changed some things. And that's good. We've had new leaders. We've had new ministries. We changed the chairs up a little bit. We're talking about other things, changing our mindset. We've talked about changing our focus and it's just a simple shift in a, in a different direction. All of these things, even this idea of transforming, all of it requires an open mind and an open heart. There's got to be a willingness to kind of follow along and say, okay, I, I, maybe I don't totally understand what's going on here, but I, I want to see. I, I want to be a part of this. I want God to use me. I want to be a part of this. I want it to be successful. So it's kind of learning to trust. I'm, I'm doing it too. I'm learning to trust and go, that's kind of a crazy idea, but let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Does anybody know what our current values are? The Harmony core values? They're on our bulletin, right? Yeah, they're right on the front. It's not a trick question. They're right on the front of our bulletin. And if you look at the front of our bulletin, here's what our core values are listed as. They are listed as loving God through the following, a lifestyle of worship, learning and applying biblical scripture, Christ-like transformation. There they are. Loving God's people through healthy relationships, loving all people through word and action. That's kind of a mouthful. We say, hey, what's the core values at harmony? Well, we have a lifestyle of worship. We do blah, blah, blah. It's a lot. So we've, we've kind of talked about uh, different things that have come up, topics that we've, we've had in, in staff meetings and with the church council. And we, we thought, what if we streamlined these five things and just kind of shrunk the list down a little bit and just kind of re-talked through them and said, hey, this is what this means and this is how this impacts here. And Pastor John came up with this idea that was, I think, crazy enough to work. We took these five things and we built them in three specific categories to streamline it. And the purpose of this week and next week and when they come back from Kenya is to kind of talk about how do these five things fit into these three categories that can just kind of roll off our tongue, that they can be kind of start to build into our DNA. They become the fabric of who we are. And here's what we came up with. Upward, inward, outward. All those five things fall into one of these categories. Today, if you could guess, we're talking about upward. And we have here in parentheses, Pastor John came. What if we had the catchphrase, just live it? I thought, yeah, we could do that. He's like, do you think we're going to rip off Nike? You know, they have the just do it thing. I think Nike ripped off the Bible. We're going to see that in a minute. Because I I think it's pretty cool what we're going to talk about this morning. But here's the concept the concept is we have this upward relationship, we have this inward impact that leads to an outward impact, an outward outreach. Upward between me and God, inward how I respond to Scripture, inward as a congregation, how we respond as a congregation, and outward what we do domestically for a missions mindset, spreading the gospel in our house, in our neighborhoods, in our counties. To this worldwide, far out missions idea of going to Kenya and other places and wherever else God calls us to minister. And these are things that we can do and it fits our core values. Those five things fall into these categories. And this morning, my whole thing is just talking about the upward. What does that mean? A lifestyle of worship. I'll share two verses with you real quick, and then we're going to pray. One verse is Second Corinthians chapter five verse 17. It says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, and old things passed away, behold, new things have come." And then one of my favorite portions is in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, and it says, "And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Let's pray, Father, we thank you for your love again. Uh, we can't say it enough, uh, what you've given us in life through the Son. Father, Just I pray that you would uh, help me to speak clearly as we, we go through these and get an understanding of what do we want to be known for as a church? What do we want to be known for as a congregation? Father, hopefully it's stuff that we want to be known for as individuals that are your children. So Father, uh, just uh, help us to lose sight of distractions whatever it is that keeps us from focusing, whatever it is that keeps me from focusing, or that uh, we could leave here challenged today to have this upward thinking and see how that will impact not just our church, but our families, our work, everything. You care about every aspect of our lives, whether it's secular in nature or it's sacred. Lord, help us to grab hold of that and see just what it is that you want from us. So Father, we ask these things in your name and give thanks. Amen. I I like to tie those two verses together, the verse in Corinthians and the verse in Romans. It's kind of like a step one and step two. Step one is ultimately our relationship with God. New creatures, old things are gone, new things are here. That's an awesome thing. It's a great thing when we think about how we were in the past, what we were. I've I've been going through some of my old books and trying to pull things out and looking at this idea of an inward thing and how upward impacts inward and how inward impacts outward and all of the concepts that come into it. And I was reading through Mere Christianity again, and C.S. Lewis kind of uses this same model when he talks about the three points of morality. Morality between me and God, my own personal morality, and how I interact with the people around me. That outward kind of flow. It's not a new concept. It, it's, a, it's a modern concept in terms of a lot of pastors have used it. If you just type in upward, inward, outward, there's a book that pops up by um, a really cool pastor out in Seattle. Uh, Daniel uh, Fusco is his name. Really cool guy. Um, he's kind of a hippie. Dreadlocks plays the bass. Really cool. Uh, But the same mindset, upward, inward, outward, because that's really the natural process of what happens when we come to Christ. Paul points it out. We're a new creation. There's a new beginning. There's a new line of communication that's established between me and God, a focus that's supposed to pull me forward. And most of the time, everybody is probably super cool with the idea of Savior. I am. I love it. I think it's great. Savior. I'm saved from sin. I'm sa- Well, I'm saved from the penalty of sin. I'm saved from having to live under the law. I'm saved from... We, we love that. But that lordship thing, that whole idea of, of how am I going to allow myself to be used by God? How am I going to allow God to work this sanctification process with me? Because this is all the upward focus. And having this mindset of where is the rightful place that God has in my life. And we talked about this the other night with the teens. We talked about prayer. How prayer is a form of worship. How uh, Jesus lays out this example for us. And it starts with recognizing the positional authority that God has in our lives. And I don't think there's a single person in this room this morning that does not understand positional authority. If you don't, Keyshawn, no I'm kidding. I have to pick on Keyshawn every week. It's like my favorite thing. Positional, how many of you have a boss? How many of you ever had a boss? That's okay. All right. How many of you have ever had a teacher? Right? That's positional authority. My boss tells me what to do. I do it. When I'm in school, students, my, my teachers tell me what to do, and I do it. Not even knowing. I don't even have to know who my teacher is. When I was in high school, there was an expectation. I had a new teacher every year. I would go into the classroom. We didn't walk into the classroom and act all wild and crazy. You walked into the classroom. You sat down on your desk and you got ready. And Mr. Freitag or Mr. Martin or whoever it was would come up. Hi, I'm so-and-so. It's nice to have you in class. And there was an automatic respect for who he was and the position that he had. We understand that. But when it comes to God, we're a little more like, well, is it necessary? It is necessary. So, upward thinking, what is it? It is a transformation, it's a transformation of our mindset, it's a transformation of our attitude. It's a transformation of really just our will and who we're going to give it over to. And I want you to look in your Bibles, and it's a long... I, didn't, I don't think I printed it out. I don't have slides for it because it's a long portion of Scripture. But this is one of my favorite stories. And uh, we talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, I'll tell you a little story real quick. I, I love doing chapel with the little kids. They're so much fun. Kindergarten, third grade... They've asked me to come in a couple of times, and we usually do a Bible story with them, and we get them to act out the motions of it, and, you know, we did Daniel, and when the horn blows, and the drums beat, and this happens, everybody's going to bow down, and they're banging on the floor, and they're making trumpet sounds, they're getting into it, they're having a lot of fun. And I thought, I have a great idea, we can do animal sounds, we can do this kind of stuff, And it's the demonic man who's cured. We cast the demons into the pigs and they run and jump into the the water. And I thought, this is going to be so much fun. And when I got to chapel that morning, I was like, I'm talking to kindergartners. Maybe this is a little too extreme for them. But it's still one of my favorite stories. And we did talk about this last week at Junior Church, we, or two weeks ago. We talked about this whole, the power that God has, and what He's able to do, and how things obey Him no matter what it is. Whether it's nature, whether it's the enemy, whether it's sickness, it doesn't matter. God has the power over it. And it's really just upon us to recognize it and accept it for what it is. So here's the story in Matthew, Ch- Matthew, Luke chapter 8. Starting in verse 26 it says then they sailed to the country of Gerasenes which is opposite Galilee and when he came out onto the land he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons and he had not put on uh, any clothes for a long time and was not living in a house but in the tombs seeing Jesus he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice what business do we have with each other Jesus son of the most high god I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had seized him many times. And he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard. And yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Man, that had to be crazy to see. I just, I don't know. It's like scary stories to tell in the dark. Just read Luke chapter 8. I like that book. Jesus said, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. Now there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain, and the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine, and he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Verse 34, when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they ran away and reported it in the city and out in the country. The people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well, and all the people of the country of Garris, <clears throat> sorry, Senes, and the surrounding district asked him to leave for they were gripped with great fear and he got into a boat and returned but the man from whom the demon had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him but he sent him away we're going to pause there for a minute I, I love this story and I, the different aspects that pop into it and how the man, is, he's demon-possessed, and Jesus interacts with him, and there is this life-changing episode that takes place. There are not too many situations in the Gospels where Jesus has a face-to-face meeting with someone, and he has this interaction, and he does something that shows the power of who he is, and it changes their life, and they don't have a response of, you are God, you are saved. It's it's a life-changing response. It's not just a, oh, wow, that was really cool. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. We're going to come over and have dinner later or something. It's life-changing. It's, I'm heading this direction. I've interacted with Jesus. I'm going this way. A total change. This is exactly what Paul is talking about in Corinthians. We have an old and we have a new. We have a guy who's possessed. He's running around without clothes on. He's living in the tombs. He's crazy. I can't think of anybody, if you were to walk down to the cemetery, if you saw someone running around half naked, whatever, talking to himself, banging his head on things, acting nuts, that we would go, yeah, it's normal. Just a normal day in Montgomery. You know, it's nice out. At least it's not raining. The village was afraid. He it, it had supernatural strength. They couldn't bind him. And when he broke free, he ran off into the desert. There's nothing normal about that. And You could be cliched and we could say the, the, the chains represent the sin that keeps us bound from before we come to Christ. And the new clothes represent this newness of life. And it's there. Sure, we can do that. But can we understand there is an old and there is a new. And there is a very distinct difference between a naked crazy guy running through the cemetery and a guy sitting at the feet of Jesus begging him to teach me. This is really what transformation looks like. This is what upward thinking is all about. New things. Verses 34 and 35. This is what it says. When the herdsmen saw what happened, they ran away and reported and cried out. The people went out, saw what happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. It frightened them. That frightened them. I don't know what's scarier. I mean, I would think crazy demonic guy running through the cemetery. But they just accepted that as normal behavior from him. And what frightened them was here's this guy who's now in his right mind and he's sitting at the feet of Jesus and he's different. He's got a different desire. There's a clear change in who he is. He moves from step one into step two. So Step one is that verse in 1 Corinthians. Step two is that portion of Romans. I'm going to read Romans chapter 12 before we put the slide up because we're going to read it from here and then we'll read it on the slide. This is fun. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what is it? Upward thinking. It's transformation. It's this change from old to new. Why is it important? Because it's the next step. It's the next logical step in committing our life into following Christ and accepting His Lordship. It's a change. It's a transformation. Romans lays it out perfectly for us. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, acceptable to God, your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When I'm with the kids, we use different versions. And I know we've looked at this before in the message. I'm going to ask if we put the slide up. But this is what the message says. And it's a paraphrase. I'm not telling you to go home and study it and memorize it. It, just, it. it drives the point home a little bit differently. And I like what it says. It says, here's what I want you to do. This is what Paul says. Here's what I want you to do. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Do you see what he's saying? Just do it. All Paul is saying is, hey, look, you've had this old life, you have this new life, you have this new way of thinking, you have this new power that's really pouring into you. Why fight it? Just live it out. Just change, transform, follow. This is what God desires from us. This is the exact example that we see in the demonically possessed guy in Luke chapter 8. He has this face-to-face interaction with Christ. I've had a face-to-face interaction with Christ. He has a life changing episode. I've had a life changing episode. He follows. I want to follow. Do you you see how that ties into us? And if we're sitting here and we've all had this face to face interaction with Christ and he's made it clear that he wants us and he's poured into us, some of us have experienced miraculous healing, deliverance, whether it was from sin, bondage, health, whatever it is. We've experienced it and we look at it and we go, wow, this is amazing. God, I want this relationship. But I only want like 50% of it. I want step one. I'm not really... I don't want step two. There's a block there. And if we can't rethink of how we approach our life, how we approach our relationship with God... Listen, it doesn't matter what vision or mission statement we put hold on this church. It doesn't matter what our core values are. If we can't get step one down and step two down, nothing else matters because it's not going to work. It's just not. You know, we, we... the pastor has said, do we want to be serious about this? Do we want to be a country club? Do we want to be whatever? Are we going to be a boat? Are we going to be a... I don't know. I mean, how many different examples have, has he used? Have, have we used? Have You've heard talked about in your deacons meetings or this meetings or the council meetings. Do we want to be real with this? Do we want to make this a beacon of life and hope? Yeah, okay. Well, then we have to change. We have to take these core values and take this concept of upward living and figure out how it impacts next. Because upward leads to inward. Inward is going to, by nature and default, lead to outward. It's what happens. And all of our core values fall in the sky. I told you, lifestyle of worship, that is a direct link to how I view God, how I treat God, and how I respond to what He's telling me. The last couple of weeks, uh, over the last couple of months actually, and just in youth group, we're trying to instill this in our teens. And we, we did a study on boss. Who's your boss? Who's in charge of you? And we looked at examples from scripture. We talked about the Exodus and the, the, the Hebrews coming out and, and how they, they went out and God delivered them. He did all these amazing things. And he goes up onto the mountain and he's communicating with God. And he comes down and they're having a party and they're worshiping this golden calf. And after everything that they've seen God do, they've had this mind change of, well, Moses is gone, we're going to die. Hey, let's uh, let's make an idol. Let's do this. And, and you know, Aaron, oh, we threw some stuff in the fire and a calf came out. Right. But here's the thing. like I, I, I missed this when I was reading it as a kid because we, we, all the cool parts are there. They're partying. Moses comes down, smashes the tablets, grinds it up, and we're like, wow, that's intense. Here's the thing that it took me a while to understand. These people, the, the Israelites, not only did they make this golden calf and start worshiping it, they said, this is the God that led us out of Egypt. God said, well, excuse me? Let me remind you who's in control. Let me remind you who your priority is. Listen, it took me so long to understand. It's not just about what I hold up. It's not just about what takes the place of God. Because we think our job, our kids, our, our, our sports, our hobbies, yeah, those are all things that become idols. But when we look at things and we start giving credit to things that are not God and we say, Man, you know, I'm a healthy guy, it's because I work out. Oh, it's not. Oh man, I'm I'm so I'm so blessed. I got a great job. Really? See, we don't have an upward mindset. We're not thinking about what God has blessed us with, what He's given us, how He's just given me the strength. We just joined the gym, and I worked out like regularly this past week. And I tell you, I'm feeling good, man. Like my joints are loosening up, and I'm thinking, man, this is awesome. I don't know if I'll continue, I'll do my best. But like clothes start to fit a little looser. You're like, man, that's right. Walking through the house like this, you know? And I have to stop, and I think, You know, it's not because I worked out for an hour and a half on the machine. And I'm thinking, man, God, you've given me the ability to do this. You've given me the opportunity to do this. We're at the gym. I can bring my kids. They can go hang out in the nursery. It's a great opportunity. And we could just cast that off and go, well, you join the gym. Everybody else join the gym. There's probably some of you thinking, I joined the gym this year, too. I went for three weeks. I don't go anymore. It's not a big deal, Pastor Tim. What are you talking about? The point is, shift your focus to why is this a thing? How is this becoming a priority? How is God using this in my life? I had my Ignite t-shirt on the other day and I was working with the personal trainer. They do an assessment and see how out of shape you are, and I was out of shape a lot, and I'm trying to do this thing with the workout, and he's like, come on, come on, push yourself, ignite yourself, ignite yourself. I'm like, I wore the wrong shirt today, man. And he's like, I'm like, I should have worn the like lazy shirt. But this is what happened. This is what they said. What's that even mean? You know, I could have just gone, let's just get through the workout. But I had an opportunity to think, there's a reason why I'm here If I'm the only person in the world that interacts with this trainer and is able to say to him, I'm a youth pastor and this is Ignite and what we want to do is we want to encourage the kids to understand they can experience God now. That there is a relationship that they can have with God and it will impact their life not just today or tomorrow, 10, 15, 20 years. This is a life-changing event. He's like, that's cool. I dig it. Now, 15 more. I'm like, (laughs) oh. He didn't really care. No, I think he did. He did. It changes our view of God's position. This is what Paul calls our worship. Actually putting God where he is. Giving God what he deserves. You know, we talk about all the the different aspects of how can we grow closer? How can we live a life that's filled with the Spirit? How How can we do those things if we're not willing to look up and go, I will give you what you're asking me to do. I will change, I will transform, and I will give you all of it. I'm not a scientist, but I'm guessing that there's not much caterpillar left in those butterflies. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't like science. Just, I like, don't like chemistry. Chemistry is math. Math is for... Here's what it does. Upward focus changes our view of God's position. We've been talking about worship with our kids on Wednesday nights and understanding everything we do is a reflection of the relationship that we have with God. How I approach, I tell them, how you approach homework, how you approach paying attention in class, how you approach your job, how you interact with your parents, everything is a reflection of the relationship that we have with God. Is it a good reflection? I don't know. I can't answer that. It restores positional authority to the person who actually deserves it. It allows us to accomplish what God intended. It's just the next natural step. Just live it. You know, like the whole story, Luke chapter eight. It's just—it's mind blowing. What he goes through, how he experiences this, and, and there's that portion at the end of it verses 38 and 39, and it says, "But the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. The, the, the countrymen come out and they see what happened, they're afraid, and instead of looking at it and going, "Wow, this is awesome. Like this guy cast out these demons and the pigs and this, They were afraid. They wanted him to leave. Get out of here. You're a troublemaker. This isn't good business. It says, But the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him. Hey, let me go with you. Let me learn from you. This is what Jesus says. Return to your house and describe the great things that God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus said. He just did it. it, it, It sounds simple. I get it. I know. It sounds real easy. He just, hey, he had demons. Of course it was easy for him. He saw it firsthand. Well, haven't we? I mean, I think about all the things that God has done in my family's life as a kid that I still look back and I draw in memories and I think about the times where you know, we didn't have groceries in the house, we didn't have food, and my dad was out of work. He fell, he hurt his back. He was out of work for like six months. We we're behind on Bill. There were so many things happening and people just showing up. Hey, listen, we were in the area. We got a couple extra boxes of groceries. Do you need anything? that? Like, what? And, like, health concerns and and just, like, watching my family grow up and and even just seeing, like, my kids and, and, you know, Avery was born ridiculously, no, I guess not ridiculously, but she was born early. And we're sitting in the, the hospital, and, and, and Avery's on her way because Avery it works on Avery's timetable, and there's no stopping her. And we're sitting there, and the nurse is going, listen, I want to prepare you. You know, it's, we don't know what we're going to see. We're probably going to take the baby. You're not going to be able to see her right away. She's going to go to the NIC unit, and Ashley's getting ready. And I'm like, okay, yeah, cool, no problem. And in my, in my head, I'm like, oh, man, I'm freaking out. This is what is going to happen. I'm trying to be calm. I'm trying to be cool. And I just had this, like, hey, it's going to be okay. There's a healthy heartbeat, I don't, she's going to be okay. And we got in and, and Avery was delivered and the Nick Ucombe nurse, she comes in and she's, all right, give me the vital stats. They're like seven and a half pounds and something inches long. She said,
1: what?
0: Send her to the regular nursery. She's good to go. It's trusting God. Does that happen for everybody? No, I completely understand that. We prayed fervently when my dad got sick. Please, deliver, 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 deliver. But let me tell you, when we got to the point where you we were able to say, God, it's your will. Whatever happens, whatever we go through, you would have strengthened us on the other side. That doesn't happen without an upward thinking. It just doesn't. So how do we achieve it? We're going to close general application, what I've switched to with the teens is uh, this idea of here's the general application and let's get specific. Let's, let's move away from, well, you know, the Bible says that we deliver an upward approach and we rethink our worship and we transform, not conform. All right, great. But what does that mean for us? So we understand the general application, what we're talking about with an upward focus, we want to develop this upward approach, We want God to have the rightful position, not just in our lives, but in our church. We want to rethink our worship, not just what we do on the stage, not just when we're singing songs. We're in the middle of like a seven week study that worship is something more than songs. It's how we give, it's how we pray, it's how we live. It's this everything in what we do is worship. Rethink that. Transform and not conform. So, what's the specifics? I didn't put these in your notes. But Jody said there's a spot in the bulletins for extra notes. So here's some questions. Here's personal inventory questions that you can jot down. And we'll go through them real slow because we've got plenty of time. And think about it. Don't answer it now. Take it home. Read through it. Think about it. Specifically. Here's one question. Am I seeking to pattern my life after Christ or after cultural norms and personal fantasy? what I think I want, what I think I deserve, what I think I need, versus what does God say? Am I living my life according to God, or am I living my life according to the cultural norms? And these are questions we can all ask ourselves, because there's days where all these questions, it's like a roller coaster. Some days, I'm really good in this department. Other days, not so much. Some days, I'm super content. I'm good where I'm at. I love that... We have a house that we rent and we have a roof over our head. And some days I'm like, "Man, I'd really love a yard, a large fenced in yard so I can get a big dog. Maybe a pool. Maybe a nice fence, six bedrooms, four bathrooms." Personal fantasy, hey. Now, am I seeking to pattern my life after Christ? Am I following the natural process? Have I gone from old to new? Am I moving from conformed to transformed? There's two steps. That's really it. There's not more than that. The next question, does my life clothes reflect an upward focus? I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about the things that we find in Scripture, right? Colossians chapter 3 tells us, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, put on these things, heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. I was talking with uh, one of our elders recently, and it's funny because there's only three, and one's like, well, he didn't talk to me, and he didn't talk to me. It must have been him. You <laughs> can see the gears already going. And we were talking about this. We are talking about how do we develop this. When we get to the inward stuff, and when we get to the outward stuff, what falls into my life close? How does that reflect an upward approach? How, how do I react when a weaker brother messes up? Am I mature enough to stand there and to restore them in love when someone steps in it? Or do I just chop their head off and kick them out the door? Because that's what Colossians is a Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has to complain against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. The perfect bond of unity, love. Those are the clothes. How, what's my love gauge? How kind am I? How patient am I? I'll peel back the curtain just a touch. I made coffee, love coffee. Went out to pour a cup of coffee yesterday morning. And my daughter went, Evangeline! I'm like, oh, great. Come back out, What is going on? Evie spilled mummy's coffee on the couch. Oh my gosh. Do you know what my first instinct was? This is why we can't have nice things. What was I thinking? And I even said, t- I said, why did I let your mother convince me into buying new furniture when we have these demon kids that can't control themselves? And all I asked you to do was watch her for three seconds so I could pour a cup of coffee. And now I got to clean coffee out of the couch. And I can't believe this. And I'm like, well, it's a couch. Really? Who cares? Can I tell you something? Look, these questions aren't just for you. These questions are also for me. They're also for Pastor John. They're also for Derek. They're also for Gene and Steve and Corey and Keyshawn. And I don't remember all the deacons and deaconesses. These are just the ones that are popping my head as we go. But you understand, these aren't questions just for you. These are questions for us. Because when someone steps in it, I have to decide: am I going to respond in love or am I going to freak out on them like it's my toddler, a, a, a 14-month-old? Of course she's going to spill coffee on the couch. That's what she does. It's like, should I expect anything else? See, that's self-control. That's kindness. Guess what? I got to clean my clothes up a little bit. I got to stop. And you know what I have to do after that? Is I have to go to my kid and I would say, listen, Taryn, I'm really sorry I responded like that. That was really rude. And it wasn't appropriate. And you know what? It's just the couch. And that couch is not more important than my relationship with you. And I'm sorry. That was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. It was a bad example. You know what? Growing up, my dad would say, I don't need an apology. You're a kid. <laughs> do you know what I said? Okay. <laughs> when, when, if I stepped in with Don, can, can I come? Don, missed, uh, listen, man, I'm really sorry. I messed up. I, it was wrong. I responded in a bad way. It wasn't right. It was immature. I, look, we could do this. We go, no, forget it. not interested. Figure it out. can't. We can't have an upward approach if that's going to be our mindset. Next question. Do I desire to be the person God designed me to be or the idealistic version of me? There's two different... No, there's more. I mean, everybody has an opinion or an understanding of who they think you are, but what's most important is God. And this is what it means to me. As I, as I was reading through this question, it all goes... Like I said, I joined the gym. I literally, I have worked out four times. All right? I feel better... I don't look that much better. But I walked by the mirror and I was like, yeah, I think it's starting to pay off. (laughs) Looking pretty good here. Feeling strong? (laughs) Ideally, I look like Hulk Hogan walking through my house. My wife took a picture of me last night taking stupid selfies with my daughter. And I'm like, man, I still got a lot of work to do. Can we get past the, listen, I know what I am. How about what does God know you are? I listen. I no, 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 no. Stop. Because if we can't get past this question, we're just going to keep fooling ourselves. I think it was, uh, uh, man, I can't think of his name. He did the uh, seminar on depression and uh, light cap, Ray Lightcap. Talking about his 90 year old mother. Ah, oh, I'm still, I want to learn. I want to be disciple. 90 years old, I want to be disciple. I thought, man. I hope I'm that way. I I hope I'm that way when I'm 38. Like, seriously, there's no like, oh, I'm done. It is a lifelong process. We're not there. I'm not there. Do I have a hunger to know Jesus? Am I seeking Him? See, this is kind of gets to that question of where am I plugged into? What am I doing? Am I reading? Am I praying? Am I actively involved in my church? Am I actively involved in some type of ministry? Are my hands touching something in this church? They should be. Regardless of how old you are, regardless of how much experience you have with the church, regardless of where you fall on the scale of, I just got saved, I've been saved for this many years, I've been saved since I was a kid, it doesn't matter. You should have your hands on something. And we've talked about this. Why is this a problem? Because honestly, we have a hard time with entry-level positions in ministry. And we've been all charged with that task in the council meetings. Find entry-level positions. What's an entry-level position? Someone who can read verses in wanna, Someone who can do crowd control for Junior Church. Someone who can stand in the back and say hi. Those are entry-level stuff. You know, sometimes it also means that we have to step aside and let someone else say, yeah, you know what? I've been doing this for 15 years. Maybe I should try something else. I've been doing this for five months. Maybe I should try something else. Everybody should have their hands on something. Everybody should be plugged into something. If the only time you're showing up and getting fed is on Sundays, occasionally a special event, maybe once in a while the small groups, I, I, I don't know. I mean, when I'm hungry, I eat. I want to be like my daughter, Avery, nonstop. Can I get a snack? We just had dinner. Yeah, can I have a snack? (laughs) Literally, we got ice cream yesterday. From Blueberry Mountain to my house in Middletown. Five minutes, we walked in the house. Dad, I'm hungry. Can I get a snack? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Avery, we just had ice cream. Okay, when's dinner? (laughs) Listen, I want to have that hunger when it comes to, hey, God, feed me. What am I doing? Sometimes, uh, this isn't in my notes, but this is all I could think of. Sometimes it's not going to taste good. It's not. Sometimes it's going to be disgusting, and you're going to be like, really? This is what you want me to go through? This is what you want me to eat? Sometimes you're going to be pleasantly surprised. My wife got these Beyond Meat burgers. Joe, let me tell you, I was pleasantly surprised. Meatless Monday might be a thing these days. I don't know yet. I'm not that dedicated. (laughs) Listen, Look. Do I have a hunger? There has to be... This guy had a hunger. Let me go with you, please. Let me learn. The woman at the well, she has this interaction. Jesus calls her out on her stuff. She goes, tells everybody they come running in. Do you know what the whole village thought? How can we keep this guy here to teach us? And when you read through that story, it says Jesus stayed for a couple of weeks or days or whatever to spend time teaching and pouring into these people. Why? Because they had a hunger. What is my life telling others? What does my witness reveal? That's a hard one to ask yourself. Because if you think about all that goes into that, most of the time, I look at that question and I go, I think it tells people that I'm a pretty good guy. It does. You know, teach Bible, preach, work in the church. Love my wife, love my kids. Do you know it's painful when some people go, you know, you're kind of arrogant. You're, you're, you got some pride. Oh, really? I uh, hadn't considered that. I've had to sit across from John and John go, can I just, I want to, can I push back on this? And I know, when he said, can I ask you a question? I'm like, oh boy, what did I do now? Can I, can I push back on something? Or he'll come into my office and he'll slide the door shut and he'll sit down. (sighs) I haven't had a chance to talk, let's catch up. And I'm like, okay, what do I... But you know what? There's a pushing there. There's a prodding. There's a little bit of needling. Let me poke something. I've noticed something. It looks kind of icky. I, I woke up. I had these bruises on my arm. I don't know where they came from. And, I, you know, I didn't. I was like, what? Oh, that hurts. What am I doing? I'm poking that. I, I don't know why. It's just like the natural thing. But you know, we need someone who's willing to look at us and poke back and say, Vince, can I ask? Listen, can I just ask you a question about this? I noticed something. That's uh, what is my life telling others? Find some people you know and trust that are going to love you and going to say, listen, I love you, but let me tell you something. you got to improve here. i got people. I call my friend Kevin. I'll call my brother-in-law. I'll call my brother. I'll call this person. I'll call that person. Or I'll say, John, am I missing something here? And sometimes he goes, you know what? I don't think you are, but pray into it. Other times he goes, yep, you're missing something. Look, I... Ask yourself that question. What's it telling? Write down a list. And then go find someone and say, Hey, do you think this list is really me? Tell me the truth. Maybe they'll go, yeah. Or maybe they'll go, you want the truth? Listen, it's not easy. These aren't questions that make you feel warm and fuzzy. But if we're going to have an upward approach to life, and an upward approach to ministry, and an upward approach to our relationship with God, this stuff is necessary. And that's specifically how it impacts you. Because my answer to those questions are different than yours. But they should all be pretty similar when we're heading the right direction. Does that make sense? Because there's a unity and there's a transformation to be a church, to be people, to be a congregation that's going to be filled with love and compassion and unity and kindness and patience and forgiveness. I don't think it's impossible. I think we can do it. So next week, we're going to talk about inward and how all this stuff kind of goes into here and how it goes into here and into here as a congregation. All right? So let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, it's an awesome day. The the weather is beautiful. I'm energized by the sunlight. And it's just focusing on you and being able to, to prepare for this and to think... Man, if I'm going to speak about this, there's definitely some things I need to work on. And it's not always easy. It's painful. It can be tough. But you give us the power to do that. So, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to shift our focus, that it would change uh, from uh, focus on other things to whatever it is, whether it's a focus on self, focus on others. But, Lord, that it it would be an upward focus, an upward way of thinking, Lord, that we would be transformed to the image of your Son, to the reality of the relationship that we have with you. Father, help us to be real. That's all you want. And just like you tell this guy in Luke chapter 8, just go tell people about what I've done for you. Just live it. Just do it. Help us to just do it. Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. We're going to do some announcements real quick. And uh, we're going to pray for the offering. And then uh, while they take up the offering... We are going to uh, view the slideshow that Ryan has feverishly put together back there for us, and we appreciate it. So listen, if you're new here, uh, please take an opportunity. Fill out a visitor card if you can. If not, you're nervous, find someone, shake their hand. If they look like they know what they're doing, they'll tell you where to go, who to find. That'd be awesome. We'd like to be able to keep in touch with you there. Our Kenya team has arrived in Kenya safely, and we're going to see a cool little video about that in a minute. Uh, continue to pray for their health and safety and as they minister to the people. Community picnic is happening on Saturday, July 20th. This was really awesome last year. This is a really cool thing. Uh, if you are looking for volunteer opportunities, check out your bulletin. You can talk to Linda, you can talk to uh, call the office, Jody or someone can put you in the right direction, uh, but plan to be here that was It was really, really awesome last year uh, if you're interested in a unique trip to Israel with Vincent Morgan. From January 8th to January 20th, call the church office for more information. Do you want to go to Israel, that sounds like a great idea. Men's Weight Loss Group is canceled this Tuesday, July 2nd. Pray for Brian and Nancy as they're traveling. And uh, they've experienced some loss in the family, so, so keep them in your prayers. Any other announcements that we're missing, check out your bulletins. Come find someone. We can point you in the right direction. Uh, Would one of you all like to pray for offering? I feel like I've spoken all day. Go ahead, sir.